Hello and welcome back to Mr. Matinee. What you hear in this round is something you don't really hear much in the actual Super Mario Brothers movie. Except, I think, <coughs> in parts of the score, you can hear elements of it. And at the beginning of it, you can hear it. Of course, I'm on the DVD that I have, which I bought for $5. I've recently spent thousands of dollars on DVDs and Blu-rays. But uh, I guess that's beside the point. But for $5, I've gotten the most utility out of that $5 of all time. In fact, I'm going to get utility out of it again. How many movies can you watch? Basically, three times back-to-back, but two times being fully conscious back-to-back. You name them. Name to anyone out there. (coughs) Name a movie that you can just watch back-to-back-to-back-to-back. I mean, maybe not four times, but I could do that. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Super Mario Brothers. Gosh, you know, when I was 12 years old, I really... I really missed out on a pretty big opportunity to see it in theaters. I really did. I really did. This would have been an absolute blast to see on the big screen. And I think even the first time I saw it, which was maybe 97 or 98, I had an immediate appreciation for it. I always was like, damn, that's kind of fascinating. Um, And then cable being what it is and then also being like, you know, there's always a lot of stuff on. I would never really focus on it if I did see it on again. <coughs> but up through the, probably by the late 2000s, I remember just seeing it a lot and really enjoying it whenever it's on. Um, and then, like I say, I think I finally purchased this uh, thing on Amazon. must have been either 2015 or 2016 for five dollars and i swear i've probably watched this thing back hundreds of times i could get to the point of reciting key dialogue in it and i don't know about the whole thing i mean a movie like married to the mob i can basically start from the beginning and uh up until about the you know 80 percent midway part or you know very far into it i know all the dialogue super Bros. i know everything that happens and I do know a fair amount of the dialogue and um and got no water. <laughs> I mean if I really focus on it, I could I could sing all the songs and um the thing is now, I mean we're in a different era. I mean, as of the June sixth, twenty twenty one, I believe. <coughs> Maybe it was June third or June fourth when I was finally you know, sent the link for it. Yeah, it exists now, and it's, I guess, called the Jenkel and Morton cut. Uh, but I mean, that's just kind of a play on the Snyder cut, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, seeing the additional twenty-five or however many foot- minutes of footage in Super Mario Brothers literally blew my mind. And I guess me now watching back the theatrical cut so much. I'm wanting to make an audio documenting how I feel about the theatrical cut and how I feel about the original, or, you know, the one I just recently watched, like what was intended to be presented, I guess. 
with uh, you know, twenty five minutes of deleted scenes and <coughs> all sorts of scenes that explain different gaffes in the movie. For instance, you know, everyone knows during the devolution the evolution scene, there's a huge pile of green and brown ooze on the ground in the middle of one of the shots where, you know, in this new cut you see exactly what happened to one of the guards. They got de evolved and it sets up the demise of Dennis Hopper's villain later on with the one of the greatest underrated visual effect shots of all time or series of shots where he finally gets de-evolved at the end into a pile of that ooze he goes from being himself to a really intimidating looking dinosaur like a like a t-rex into like a slightly less intimidating and then to like a, a v-raptor and then to kind of just a amorphous looking like Godzilla and then to into a thing of sludge and then into a thing of more liquid sludge. I mean it's t- totally cool. I mean it's literally I mean there's like eight things that have made in my mind I was like, oh yeah, when I watch that back again I wanna watch exactly how they do that. And I make a rule when I watch this movie I don't really jump around in it because there's so much so much that they're setting up. I really like how how I don't even know if you would call it meta or what, but it's like at the beginning of the movie, John Leguizamo is watching this TV show, kind of like a current affair or like a Twilight Zone nonfiction type show um, called, uh, oh man, it slips my mind right this moment, but you know, some sh- some show and then they're on that show at the end of it. That's just it kind of shows you you know the whole adventure that they go on has consequences in the the world that they're in, and that that's how the Mario Brothers become super they're they're branded that at the end of the adventure, so obviously if no one's ever seen it uh, you're gonna hear all the negative bias on the internet saying that it's nothing like the video game and it's this and it's that and it's like it's as much like the video game as anything ever. To be honest, I mean, just because Mortal Kombat has people fighting in an arena, and you know, the 95 one is very loyal to the game in people's mind, it doesn't mean that this isn't loyal. I mean, think about all these things now. They have all these Easter eggs that are have really nothing to do with the exact plot of the movie. I mean, you can name 30 movies now that have 50 million Easter eggs or obvious things in them that are just overtures to the corporate brand name thing that's making the movie. You know, Space Jam Legacy, uh, whatever, uh, Ready Player One, uh, the whole Castle Rock, Stranger Things, everything is just an Easter egg uh, world that we're in now. Whereas in this movie, it bakes all the Easter eggs into what's going on in the plot. I mean, all the costume design and Set design is directly evocative of specific, and I mean specific, parts of Super Mario Brothers, the original game, and then Super Mario Brothers 2. I don't think they have too much going on with Super Mario 3 in it, because I'm not as big of an expert on Super Mario 3. I mean, that game is totally cool. It just kind of loses me a little bit with its 
Uh, I mean, there's a whole open-ended world of video games now, but it was open-ended for the time. Uh, I like things a little more simple and side-scrolling. And, uh, you know, Super Mario 2 and 1 are pretty elite in that regard. Um, so in that regard, that what I'm bringing up right now is that there are so many different parts of Super Mario 1 and 2. There's a part where they're on this kind of hand bike thing, but if you kind of drop that they're on a hand bike and you just see that the Koopas are shooting flames at them, it basically is like, you know, levels 1, 2, 3, 4, all those different ones where you're having to jump and go through uh, kind of fire pits or over different parts of shooting fire and then jump over the Goombas and the... I mean, those are Goombas. That's their interpretation of what a Goomba is. They don't not look like little mushrooms. They kind of don't look like them at all, but they don't... If you think how you draw a human mushroom and you're starting to make that that they're part of an all-interconnected reptilian kingdom, then you make it look like a lizard with a little crazy-looking head at the top. And then you got real mushrooms in the plot as well that look like, you know... More like uh, oyster mushrooms, like really gross-looking oyster mushrooms that haven't been cleaned, or uh, chanterelles, more like chanterelles. So anyway, this movie is just infamous because I mean it came out the week before Jurassic Park and it got just stomped at the box office. I think it only made thirty-five million domestically or so, maybe even less than that, twenty-eight million if I remember right. Um, no more than that domestically, but you know, probably internationally it made 15, 20 million at the time. So I don't really think that they probably lost much money on it. People always say that it was a huge bomb, but was it really? I mean, these guys produced it and then kind of licensed it over to Disney or Touchstone and probably deferred a lot of their costs. And, you know, I think Roland Joffe and his producing partner, Jake Eberts, went on to make other films. I know that they made this to make other movies. I don't know how many other movies they made. I mean, it's relatively easy information to attain. So, I know that, um, you know, a lot of really big ideas for the film. I mean... <laughs> He had just come off of making Killing Fields and The Mission, both of those nominated for, I mean, really high-profile Oscars and everything like that. Uh, so he made City of Joy right before this. Probably needed to, like, make some profit after that because as good as a movie that was, it really hit. The same with Fat Man and Little Boy, but that was a really big studio picture. Then he makes an infamously bad movie called Goodbye Lover that was uh, in the editorial booth for at Warner Brothers while they were editing it and they were like this is why the job sucks sometimes <laughs> always remember that <laughs> I mean whether it was a good movie or not I don't know so yeah basically I've never heard of any of his movies after Goodbye Lover uh, he's in this Gerard Depardieu one or he made a Gerard Depardieu one called Vettel that rings a bell <laughs> Vettel rings a bell well, he made Scarlet Letter right afterwards, so, I mean, geez. I mean, Scarlet Letter is way worse than than uh, this one. He makes one called Captivity, which he was venturing into torture porn, I guess, basically. And Larry Cohen, my late great friend, is, uh, was a writer on that. Okay. Alicia Cuthbert. 
It made eleven million. It was released in theaters. Huh? Where was I? One point four million on its opening weekend. Oh seven. Huh? An oh seven. A movie called Captivity came out. Huh? I literally never heard of that. On the thirteenth of July in two thousand seven, that happened. Are we sure that that happened? Here's a record of it on Box Office Mojo. Yeah, I want to look at how it, how it did. Not in Turkey, no, my mistake. In Turkey, it made two hundred two thousand. Yeah, they're into that kind of thing. There, I don't know why it clicked on that. Sorry, Turkey. I don't mean to say anything rude to you. I don't know. I don't know much. Um, it made two point. Oh my god. I've never heard of this fucking movie. 2007. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it was a really busy time for movies. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Transformers 1. Ratatouille. Live Free or Die Hard. License to Wed. I had the option to see. The other four I saw in theaters. So, I mean, 1408, still in theaters, whatever. Evan Almay I saw in theaters. Knocked Up I saw in theaters. Sicko I saw in theaters. Ocean's 13 I saw in theaters. This one, I don't know what the fuck. I never heard of Captivity. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Had the option to see. Pirates of the Caribbean. Shrek 3rd. You Kill Me. What the fuck, you know? You Kill Me. I know what that is. That's a, like a Ben Kingsley movie. Um, like trying to be like Sexy Beast type deal. Again. Huh. I swear to God, I never heard of that movie, man. I almost called bullshit on that. <laughs> That's the daily chart. Okay, so yeah, give me the the next weekend after. Alright, so I now pronounce you Chuck on there I saw in theaters. Hairspray I saw in theaters. All the other same stuff is in the top ten. Ocean's 13 I saw in theaters. That's in the top ten there. Captivity is in the... It dropped 78%. So it makes only $450 in theaters. The next day. did nothing after its second weekend. And I didn't ever knew it came out the first weekend. Yeah, La Vie and Rose I saw in the theaters. I had the option to see. I believe I did see. But I remember enjoying it. Rescue Dawn. Talk to me. Wow. That's a weird rabbit hole to go down. So anyway, yeah, he's made some really obscure movies since... Scarlet Letter and Super Mario Brothers. Um, I don't need to go into all the whole making of it and everything, but I'll just say it's a wonderful movie. Um, really a captivating adaptation of the video game. And when you think about um, you know, a lot of the differences, there's so many, for every difference you can name many major similarities. Um... And to a lot of different people's point, I, I, when I first heard them say it, I thought it was kind of a stupid point. So you may think it's stupid as well. But, like, think about what Super Mario Bros. is. is a, you know, a more portly guy in a red and blue suit. And then a guy in a green and, you know, a green suit. Jumping around under the, you know, the supposition that they're plumbers. Uh, jumping on mushrooms. 
hitting their head on different things, getting coins. And some of the coins give them firepower and or some of the items that they get from hitting their head on certain bricks give them mushrooms that make them grow big and can jump on the mushrooms better basically or you know shoot mushrooms with fire or in other events you know in Super Mario 2 and 3 other different powers you know how do you really adapt that to a video how do you adapt that to a movie when especially there had never been that that so as I'm sitting here, I'm going to restart the movie again. I mean, Hollywood Pictures, the Sphinx logo. I mean, think about it. There's really no way to win when you're making the first, you know, big budget super video game to movie. I don't think there'd ever been one before. So for so many different reasons, it's a really powerful film. It begins with that classic theme and... Rest in peace to Jake Ebert. I mean, whatever went on when the making of this movie, him rolling Joffe and everything, and it was crazy. And Janko and Morton, supposedly they wanted one of them costumes to be a little bit dirtier, so they poured scalding hot coffee, is what the report is, down an extra's costume. But what their report is, Janko and Morton have said, was they wanted the coffee to be dirty, and then they went up to the extra, asked him if he could get some coffee on it, and pour it on him and kind of rub it into the costume and it was more warm than he thought so it was kind of an issue so regardless there was some kind of issue and who knows what really would happen i guess i don't really hold it against them all that much i could see how they could go up to like in the worst case scenario it's kind of funny they go up to some extra like oh no 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 because they're british oh no 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 this costume's not dirty enough and start pouring coffee on them. I mean, it's just crazy. But I don't think it happened like that. And I don't think it happened how they say either. But I don't think it happened as malevolently as one would think. Anyway, I wasn't there. But uh, I hope to visit these sets in North Carolina. And just absolutely love this movie. Um, and bye for now.